0: I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. The Word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. I am uh, moving a little more slowly this morning. I uh, went to a birthday party yesterday for five year olds. And uh, it was at uh, Bounce U, which is a trampoline park in Brooklyn, and it has bouncy castles and uh, trampolines. And and when I was there, I noticed that it had an obstacle course similar to what you see on America Ninja Warrior. And there was something in me that said, "You can do this." <laughs> and I tried. <laughs> And it's going to take about three weeks for me to recover. I I was able to accomplish the course, uh, but I could barely get up this morning. And so thank God for ibuprofen. (laughs) Uh, If you were with us uh, this past week, you know we just started a new series called Who Am I? And it's through the book of Ephesians, which is an incredible resource for discovering just that, And uh, last week, uh, we looked at uh, what it means to be chosen by God before the foundations of the earth and what that means to us and the strength and the power and the resources that come with that. And it's significant. And and this week, um, we're going to be looking at um, what it means to be appreciated, appreciated by God, the significance of appreciation, how appreciation affects us and others. And this is really important for us to get. And so I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, You are appreciated by God. Do you know that? You are appreciated by God. And if there's anything that we can take away from today's passage, the passage that was read just a few moments ago, it's that God loves you and that he's gone to great lengths to express his love for you. He's equipped you in ways that you're not even aware of. But he appreciates you. He really appreciates you. And there's tremendous power in knowing that. Tremendous power. It impacts the way that you see yourself. It impacts the way that you see God. It impacts the way you interact with others. And it has tremendous influence on your perspective. How you see the circumstances that you're dealing with right now in your life. And so it's so important to know That you are in fact appreciated by God. In Ephesians 1, 15 and 16, Paul says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and you and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you. You see that Paul is refusing to even stop for a moment giving thanks for these believers, these friends of his in the church. In Ephesus and there's something that we need to recognize this book of Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to this group of believers in Ephesus and he wrote the letter to express his love and appreciation for them but here's the thing that's interesting about this letter God knew that this letter would be preserved and included in the Bible So because of that, God is using that same letter to affirm and appreciate you some 2,000 years later. He's using the same message, only instead of it being intended to a specific group of people in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, it is designed to speak into your heart, into your mind, and to touch your soul. The creator of the universe is expressing his appreciation for who you are and for who you are becoming. That should move you. That should make you get up and say, wow, that is really incredible if you think about it. Would it change the course of your life if you really knew that the creator of the universe was thinking about you? You specifically, recognizing your obedience, recognizing your generosity, recognizing your service, thinking about your heart to be more in alignment with him, that he generally appreciates you, he genuinely appreciates you, that should have an impact on how you see the world, because God does appreciate you. He appreciates you. He sees your heart, he sees your desire to be obedient, and he sees every act of kindness. Isn't that awesome? Because sometimes we don't feel appreciated, do we? Sometimes the world doesn't appreciate us in the way that we feel we need to be appreciated. Well, here's how God does this. Sometimes God affirms you through his word. You can read a passage of scripture, and God will speak to you directly He will speak words of affirmation and encouragement directly to you. Other times, he will give you an impression. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're thinking about something. Maybe you're interacting with somebody and you're meditating on this whole situation. And God will plant a thought in your mind. He will speak to you through an impression. But more times than not, he speaks to you through another person. Through the people that he has strategically placed around you the people that he has equipped and empowered to say something, to speak some form of truth into your life. What motivates you to get up in the morning? What motivates you to get up and and go to work each day and give it your best? Have you thought about that? What is it exactly that keeps you getting up and going with all your might, with all your passion each morning? For most of us, when, it boils, when we boil it down, it comes down to knowing that our efforts are appreciated by someone. When we get up in the morning and we go to work and we give it our all, we need to know that somebody recognizes our efforts, that somebody recognizes what we're, what we're doing and all that we're sacrificing to make that happen. And when we don't get the appreciation that we need, it's demoralizing and discouraging, right? If nobody notices your efforts or nobody cares, what happens to us? We get discouraged. We get demotivated and we wonder if maybe we should quit this job and move on to something else. Have any of you ever been there? My guess is that most of us have and some of you are probably there today. You're thinking about your job situation, you're thinking about the people around you, and you think, you know what, they never give me any credit. They never notice all that I do for this place. What am I doing here? Why do I keep doing this? And if that's you, I have a word of encouragement for you today. Even on those days when you feel that no one around you notices or loves you or appreciates you, you can be sure that God does. God appreciates you. And if God is for you, the Bible says, who can be against you? I mean, you have an audience. We have an audience of one when it boils down to it. The creator of the universe loves and has chosen and has equipped and empowered you. He loves you. He appreciates you. And so why does it matter so much what other people think in light of his opinion? We need to remember that on those days when we don't feel... Appreciated. Number two, appreciated people ex- exchange grumbling for praying. Appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Before the Apostle Paul became Paul, he was known as Saul, and he was a rising star among the Pharisees. He was incredibly privileged in society. He was respected, he was brilliant, he had the best education that was available at that time, he had tremendous power, tremendous clout, and by the world standard, you would say that he was at the epitome of success, the epitome of success. But when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, it changed his life forever. It forever transformed his life. And by the time Paul wrote this letter, this letter to the Ephesians, he had been stripped of his honor, he had lost his title, he'd been beaten, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been stoned, he'd been left for dead, and now he's in prison with no guarantee that he will ever get out. And why is he in prison? He is in prison For living out the gospel and aligning his life with God's. For being unrelenting about sharing the good news of Jesus. For preaching. That's why he's in prison. That's why he's there. Have you ever sacrificed something? I mean, really gone out of your way to do something for God. Something that you felt the Lord was calling you to. Have you ever done that? Maybe you really stepped out of your comfort zone and you did something that really cost you, and it didn't turn out the way that you expected it would. It just didn't work out. Maybe maybe you were rejected by the very people you were trying to reach. Maybe there was no response at all. They were indifferent. Maybe your initiative completely failed, or the person you were praying for never got healed. Or maybe you felt as though God abandoned you in the midst of that. Maybe you said, seriously, God? I mean, after all that I've done, after all that I've sacrificed in order to do this for you, you didn't bother to show up. What's that about? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been frustrated like that? I know I have. But if anyone has reason to grumble, to be frustrated, to be angry, to say spiteful words because of his circumstances, it's Paul. And yet, what we see in this letter is that he is not cynical. He is not bitter. He's not critical. He's not consumed with bitterness. He's he's not concerned with what he doesn't have or what God hasn't done for him. Instead, he praises God in the midst of his circumstances. He prays, and then he writes this letter that is absolutely gushing with gratitude, appreciation, and hope. Absolutely gushing. It's like run-on sentence. One praise, one affirmation, one form of gratitude after another, after another. And yet we know he's in prison. And he doesn't know if he's ever going to get out. In verse 16 he says, I do not cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For someone to respond like that, something has to have happened in their life that was transformative. Something happened in Paul's life that gave him a power on the inside that is not impacted or affected by circumstances on the outside. Something happened to Paul. And of course, we know that it was his encounter with Jesus. He was never the same after that. Paul knew his identity was rooted in Christ. He knew it. And that never changed from the time that he had that encounter with Jesus. It never changed. And so he never backed down on his mission or his objectives or his desire to love and appreciate and align himself with God. He knew that God was ultimately in control no matter what was happening around him. That's why Paul could say to live as Christ and to die as gain. It didn't matter what happened to him because he knew God could use anything for his glory. The most broken situation, the biggest mistakes, failures that we've made, God can turn them from something broken into something beautiful. And that's what he specializes in. So Paul's in prison, and he's like, it's going to be awesome to see what God does with this. You see the different perspective? Paul also knew that grumbling would never move him closer to where he needed to be. Has grumbling ever accomplished for you something positive? I mean, I've, I've thought about this. I grumble a lot. And usually it's just this venting thing, and then I have to apologize for grumbling. Because it didn't get me anywhere. It just further alienated me from the person I'm talking to and from God. Paul doesn't do that. Instead, he praises, he offers gratitude, he offers appreciation. And that becomes his primary focus in the midst of his circumstances. And we may never endure the kind of suffering that Paul endured. We may never endure that. But we do know that in this life there will be many troubles. That's what scripture tells us. But if we identify with Christ and our identity is rooted in him, we can be like Paul. And we don't have to grumble when our circumstances are difficult. Because we know, just like Paul, that God can take those circumstances and he can do something with them that is far beyond anything that we would ever imagine or even hope. Something that gives him incredible glory and helps us to see that we were created for a purpose. That is so awesome. Number three, we appreciated people exchange incivility for civility. Incivility for civility. Civility, I want to talk about this just for a moment, is defined as polite, reasonable, and respectful behavior. Other definitions include claiming and caring for one's identity, needs, and beliefs without degrading someone else's in the process. Would you agree that our culture has been shifting away from civility? I would say so. It certainly seems like it, but research shows that our physical and our mental And our spiritual health suffers when work and social environments are uncivil. And if incivility, research shows this as well, if incivility is not confronted by corrective feedback or consequences, it tends to be repeated over and over again and then accepted or normalized within that culture. From politics to social media, there seems to be more and more rude, demeaning, insulting, aggressive language and behavior that is incivil, right? We see it all the time. You can't turn on the news. You can't turn on a talk show. You can't look anywhere without seeing this rhetoric. And yet Jesus challenges us to bless those who curse us. Bless those who curse us. To pray for those who mistreat us. Edmund Burke, the parliamentarian, said, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. To do nothing. You see, we have a role in shifting the cultural climate that we find ourselves in as believers in Christ. Given that Paul had been, what he had been through, given all that he had been through, you might want to give him a pass on civility. You might say, you know what, Paul? Given your circumstances, I'm going to give you five minutes to just really have a temper tantrum. I mean, let it all out, man. I mean, go for it. And and you know what? There would be a part of us that would say, he has every right, given, given what he's endured. Could you imagine preaching and getting stoned for it? I mean, they actually tried to kill him. They thought he was dead. They took his body, they thought he was dead, drug him to the outside of the city, and left him there thinking he was dead, but he wasn't dead, and he actually revived. He regained consciousness, and what did he do? He got up, and he went back to the same place he was preaching, and he started preaching again. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, I would be like, hey, I did my part. I am done. I am done. You know, but that's not what Paul did. He didn't even complain. Because he isn't concerned about his own rights or his well-being because he has a higher calling that he's intently focused upon. His passion is to glorify God to encourage others, and to emulate the character of Christ in everything that he does and says. He's been misunderstood, mistreated, misrepresented. He's in prison with no guarantee of getting out, as I said, and yet his focus is on blessing and loving and glorifying and encouraging and offering gratitude. It's just really amazing. In verses 17 and 18, he writes, I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I just can't believe that he's writing this from prison. There's nothing in that about, oh, by the way, would you mind sending some food or or coming to visit me? Because, you know, it's pretty bad in here. Nothing. We should aspire to be more like Paul. We should aspire to treat people with respect and compassion, even those that we disagree with. And there will be a lot of people that we disagree with over the years. But Jesus has given us a power and the authority, as Lisa was saying earlier, to influence and renew the environments where these interactions transpire. We can reframe and influence culture. Each of us have the power to do that in Christ. Now, it might seem like there's too much water under the bridge, that, you know, the situation is hopeless. But if we live out of our identity in Christ, there's never too much water under the bridge. It's never too late. And we can take our part in turning the tide towards civility. Number four, appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Bitterness for thankfulness. In verse 21 through 23, Paul says, for above all... Rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What is he saying here? He's saying, when we feel unappreciated, and our tendency is to become bitter, and to think nothing but, of but ourselves, we might even say, why am I sick? Why did that other person get the promotion instead of me? How come things never go my way? But before we get caught up with what we don't have, what this passage is telling us Is that we should focus on what we do have because we have a lot. And when we look at what Paul is saying here, it should help us to reframe our perspective. Instead of dwelling on what we don't have, he's reminding us to look at what we do have. Look at how Jesus reigns over Satan, over all the demons over all the nations, over all the people, over every circumstance. He is reigning over every time, over every place. Everything is under his feet. And what Paul is saying is, he's got you covered. He's got you covered. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what your situation is. He has you in the palm of his hand, and he has all the control, all the power. In Philippians 2, Paul says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess, both on earth and under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is saying before you allow yourself to become bitter, and maybe some of you think you have some practical reasons to be bitter, remember who you are in Christ. And what Christ has done for you. And then you can start to live that out. Imagine how different this letter to the Ephesians would be if Paul allowed himself to become bitter. If he was really bitter and really angry and demoralized and frustrated with God, and then he started penning this letter. How would it sound? It would be pretty different, I would imagine. But instead, he sees his circumstances as an opportunity to glorify God, bless the church, and to advance God's kingdom. And that's what is of ultimate importance to him. Number five, appreciated people appreciate. Appreciated people appreciate. How many of you have a checking account? You have a checking account where you have some money that you you, you can check in on now and then... See how things are are going. Some of you check the balance regularly, right? Some of you check your balance every day. Maybe you have an app. You open the app and you're like, yes, I'm doing well. This is good. Others are saying, oh, crap. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I need a second job. Some of you know exactly how much money is in your account. And others just kind of hope that you've been depositing more than you've been taking out, right? I mean, there's different types of people. But the important thing is, in either case, that you're you're making more deposits than you are withdrawals, right? As long as you're making more deposits than you are withdrawals, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And our relationships are kind of like that. Our relationships are like that. They're sort of like checking accounts. And when we criticize one another, we make withdrawals. We make withdrawals. And when we appreciate one another, we make deposits. We're depositing into that person's life. We're adding value to that person's life. And one of the great things about these deposits is they're completely free. It doesn't cost us anything. To make these deposits into other people's lives. And a deposit is simply saying a, an affirming word. Recognizing something good in that person and appreciating that. And you know, when we do this, as simple as it is, it can have a huge impact on that person. It can have a huge impact on your relationship. It can it could change that person's future. You don't even know sometimes... The level of impact that you have on a person when you add value, when you appreciate them. Think of the person who had the greatest positive influence on you. Picture them. Who is that person? And what was it about them that influenced you? What was it about them? Chances are that person saw some potential in you. They saw some potential. They saw things in you that other people didn't see. And they proactively invested in you. But they didn't stop there. They, they believed in you and they took every opportunity to encourage, to affirm, and to appreciate you. And maybe they even invested a lot of their time in you. Maybe they wrote letters to you or emails or or texted you affirming words or scripture passages or... Maybe, whatever it was, they went out of their way to encourage you. I can almost guarantee it. If someone had a positive influence on you, they did some of those things. I remember when I was first starting out in ministry, and I took a job with Young Life. And I had no idea what I was doing. I I, I was supposed to start this club where you go to this high school where the kids don't even know you and develop relationships with high school students and, and get a bunch of these kids to agree to get together with you on a weekly basis where you can talk about Jesus. Have you ever tried doing something like that at a secular high school? I mean, it, it's not easy. You know, and I, I had no strategy for doing that, but I, I went there, and, and by the grace of God, I was able to get a bunch of kids together. And we started meeting weekly. And um, we did this thing that we called Club. And every week, you know, I would prepare a talk, we'd do some games, we'd have uh, skits, we'd have uh, fun activities, uh, we'd do an adventure somewhere. I mean, it was really a, a lot of fun. And I remember a few months into this, the regional director of Young Life had uh, been investing in me and, and, and he had seen some things in me and he was affirming me and encouraging me and, and he said, James, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and check out your club. I just want to see how, how things are going. And he came to this club, and I remember thinking, oh, he's going to be there. And so I really spent a lot of time working on the program. And, and I spent a lot of time thinking about the logistics. I wanted it to be amazing. I wanted to wow him. I really did. And when he got there, uh, the talk didn't go very well. I mean, the kids were kind of running around, and, you know, they weren't really paying attention to me, you know. Uh, and the just the, the logist- everything just fell apart. It just didn't go very well, and I was really embarrassed. Here the regional director is there watching me, evaluating, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking, man, who am I to think that I can do this? You know? And I was really discouraged and kind of humiliated. And then after the kids left, which took quite a while, he came over and he said, James, you have a God-given gift for connecting with people. It's just amazing for me to sit back and watch what you accomplished tonight. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the talk was terrible. The program completely fell apart. The video didn't work. Nothing, nothing that I tried to do tonight worked. And he said, James, I really don't care about those other things. I don't care about the program. I don't care if you go climb flagpoles with those kids. The one thing that I care about is that you're connecting with them at a personal level. And we basically had to run those kids out of here tonight because they didn't want to leave. They loved being here. They loved being with each other, and they love you. And I was like, wow. Thank you. And he said, you know what? We're going to spend some time working on some of those other things, but we can... That's, that's easy. And he said, but here's something that I want you to know uh, that I feel personally. I would follow you anywhere. I would follow you anywhere. And I was thinking, this is the regional director of Young Life. This guy has years of ministry experience under his belt. I mean, he's so accomplished. And he's saying this to a punk kid like myself. I mean... It had profound influence. I still remember the conversation like it was yesterday. And what I can tell you is, I would not have stayed in ministry had it not been for him. I just, I wouldn't have had the the confidence or the ability to keep trying. It was a five-minute conversation. A five-minute conversation that changed my life forever. Now with your friends and your roommates or your spouse or your family or your small group or with other leaders in the church or your coworkers on the job, I hope that you will make one deposit after another, that you will be intentional about making deposits. Maybe you've seen some things around you in the people that you work with or your family members or your spouse that you admire but you haven't said anything. You just haven't taken the time to say, listen, you need to know this about yourself. You need to do that. That that may change their life. And it takes no effort, very little effort. Or, Or maybe you're in a challenging or complicated relationship with someone that makes life very difficult for you. And every day you think, oh my gosh, I've got to deal with this person again. Maybe it's your boss, or maybe it's a coworker. It might even be a family member, or an employee, or a spouse that gives you grief. Now, a great way to relieve the tension that you're feeling in that relationship is to express appreciation for that person. In spite of everything that you're feeling, find that thing that you admire and appreciate them for it. Say something positive. that that speaks truth into their life and adds value. Now, I told you about the regional director of Young Life. His name is Don. And he once told me this, and this is another bit of advice that he gave that I think would be helpful to anyone. He said, whenever you need to challenge or correct somebody, you know, and you're in a position of authority, what you need to do is build an affirmation sandwich. Sandwich. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, an affirmation sandwich is like this. Always point out something positive that you see in that person before you say anything else. Pull them aside and speak words of encouragement into their life. Recognize contributions that they have made, ways that they are impacting your life in a positive way, and affirm them for that. Then ask them if you could offer some encouragement in the form of suggestions that might help them to be better at what they're doing. Because they'll be able to receive it at that point. They'll know that that you are for them. And after you've done that, affirm them again for something entirely different, something else that you've seen. And when you walk away, that person will trust you and love you and appreciate you, even though you've challenged them in a significant way. Because you've given them an affirmation sandwich. Sometimes the most difficult people in our lives simply need to feel appreciated. They've been beaten down, and they've been discouraged, and they've become frustrated, and they take it out on people around them, including you. And so maybe the solution is for someone to step into their lives and offer something positive. Managers. Parents, teachers, leaders, before you say anything to your staff or your children or your team or your spouse or your friends or your family, start with a word of appreciation. You are such an asset to our team. You have a way of inspiring our team. Thank you for cleaning your room. Do you know that that just, it makes me feel so Happy, so pleased, so encouraged when you do that. Thank you for making dinner. That was so delicious. I, I, you know, I love that meal, you know, and, 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 you know, I know it took a lot of effort for you to, to put that together. And I just want you to know I appreciate it. It was delicious. You're really gifted when it comes to, and then find that thing. Watch and see how these simple deposits will add value, and at the same time, turn your heart toward that person. You see, the interesting thing about affirmation is when we intentionally affirm other people, we start to feel more affinity and love for that person. It helps them, and it helps you. And when we know that we're appreciated, we can exchange grumbling for praying, incivility, for civility, bitterness, for thankfulness, and we can add value in every relationship. And when we do these things, we are changing the culture around us. We are transforming culture by the power of his spirit that resides in us. We can do this, and God will equip you and enable you to do just that. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for these words of encouragement. Lord, we know that you wanted to speak into our lives through this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And you have, and you will continue to speak into our lives over these coming weeks. But as we leave here today, Lord, I pray that we would think about this concept of affirmation and what it would look like for us to proactively make deposits into the lives of those around us. Lord, help us to be change agents in the world, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.